of this chapter is to be a self-encourager. Such an important concept in um, Christianity. Uh, you know, religion always paints one side of a story, if you can remember that. Religion only gives you part of the story. The purpose of religion really is to keep control over people and to not allow them the freedom to serve God in spirit and in truth, the way God wants us. So in order for us to experience the fullness of God, we really have to have the whole picture. So that's why sometimes we'll uh, describe ourselves as full gospel people as opposed to partial gospel people. Amen. So let me back up and pray. I'm sorry about that, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day, and we ask you, Lord, and we bless you, and we thank you so much for being in our presence, and we never want to in so that we can receive your guidance, your wisdom, your power, and your love. So we thank you to open up every ear, uh, refresh every spirit, Enlighten every mind to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, uh, the the fact about self-encouraging is very important. Uh, people say, well, it's important for leaders, and it is. But when you think about it, you're a leader wherever you go. Or you have the potential to be a leader in a lot of situations. If you are a husband or a wife, you are a leader. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're a student, you're a leader. Uh, if you're a Christian, you are definitely a leader. Why is that? Because God has given us instructions. He's given instructions to all believers. And you can't go and do the things that God wants you to do without having quali- qualities, without having leadership qualities. For instance, if you're in a supermarket and you walk past somebody and you don't know, you feel prompted to go ask them if they need prayer or speak to them or something until you understand leadership qualities. And they're not hard to come by and they're not hard to develop because if they were that hard to develop, God would not have given us work to do down here. And so God is expecting you to make a decision with his prompting as to what to do with everything in your life. And so the the decision to step out and do the will of God takes the leadership ability. And it's not like, you know, it, it's all complicated and everything. You know, there's uh, people who like to... Uh, they're what they call life coaches, you know, and and a leader quality seven seven qualities of a good leader. And uh, but you'll find like most people have some of those anyway. You know, I mean, they're really not hard to come by. Success motivation people do the same kind of thing. They'll try to give you fifteen steps to success and and all of that. Success means you got to hook up to God, number one, and success also means you don't quit. And so if you can just do those two things, you'll probably be a success at most things that you set your your heart to do. But but when we talk about being a, a, a servant of God and being someone who is an end time warrior, uh, you you have to really focus on the idea that God has put leadership potential in all of us. And as we develop those qualities, then we are more capable. We're more certain to come through it. Uh, we're we're more um, uh, apt to come forth uh, and do what God wants us to do. Now there are gifted people. There are people who are called to the ministry, fivefold ministry, and they may be gifted people, but they're not all good leaders. So we have to understand that there are some qualities there that God is developing in all of us to make us successful, and most of those entail some aspect of leadership. And so leaders are developed by God. That 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 ability to be confident, to be 
uh, faithful, to be successful, uh, to be the kind of person that is trustworthy. All of those are qualities of God. So it takes the God spirit in us and it takes our commitment to obey that God spirit that will allow us to be able to come forth and be competent and successful in God, everything God sets us to do. So we're talking a little bit about the difference between religion and the uh, a pure relationship with God and, and uh, the the kingdom uh, kingdom qualities versus, I guess, religious qualities. Religion, we said, paints a a partial picture of everything. Like the enemy likes to hide part of the knowledge we need from us, and he does it through religion. I remember when we first started the ministry, uh, there was a, a woman that we followed her ministry. She was very uh, astute in in the word. She was a, a teacher of the word, but she wasn't a, a good leader, nor was she a good mentor. And and. I would uh fellowship with her some, you know, and uh would would ask her about certain things that, you know, I was getting started in the ministry. I just assumed that everybody uh wanted to help everybody else because that's what I wanted. I didn't know a whole lot, but what I did know, I shared with people. Uh, we had a Bible study. I always shared the word. We always prayed for one another and encouraged one another. And uh I was asking her one time about uh, setting up the ministry in, in setting up 501c3 and she just stopped talking after I asked her a couple questions. She didn't say anything else. Like, you know, I can't tell you that. If I tell you that, that's going to be some kind of big secret I'm letting out of the bag. And I just thought, oh, well, you know, I, I did something wrong here or whatever, whatever. And so the Lord taught me a valuable lesson though. And that was to always come to him for the things that I needed. Now, most of you know that now. But when you're finding out, you have to find out. And so God uh, is so jealous of his influence in our lives that he would not have us dependent upon anybody to give us what he wants to give us. Now, there are times where you might have not have answers and you'll just feel led to go to somebody and ask them and you get a ready answer and it's fine. You get peace in your, your heart about it and, and it works out well. But there are some things that I and I do know that only God wants to supply to us. And if you're, if he puts you in charge of a ministry, he wants to be the main person that you come to for all of your answers. Whereas when I was in the world, you just went to somebody. You know, if you got, need a legal help, you called a lawyer and you asked them or, you know, you called a relative that knew a little bit more than you did and you'd ask them questions and it was fine. But I found out when I got into God, different. Sorry, I twisted it. Just leave it like that for a minute because I twisted it back. See how that is? So so I, I began to understand that there are some things God sovereignly wanted to take care of for me. And he did not want me to have a dependence on man for answers like I did when I was in the world. You know, in the world, it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of thing. In the kingdom, it's the same thing, but you know God. See, he's the who that you know, and he is the one who will answer all of your questions. And so I learned a valuable lesson. I did break ties with that person uh, because I could see that there was something not right. And see, sometimes that's what God's trying to show you, too. You know, you don't continue down a road with if they've already left you. Back to the fork in the road. You understand what I'm saying? You 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 can't force your way into people's lives. And so I understood from that. I said, well, she's not a reliable person, or she doesn't want me to know anything. And I felt like that just wasn't the kind of relationship I needed to be involved in. There were too many things I needed to do from God that I needed help. And so when I, I began to lean more on God, that, that taught me a very, very valuable lesson. 
I began to lean more on the Lord for for different things uh, because he will not make you a crippled leader. Uh, he won't make you. And then I found out later that there were many people that wanted to have influence over you if they saw that you were you had a ministry and you were trying to do some things for God, you know. And so uh, you have to be discerning out here in this in this world. And so sometimes your first warfare will be over your relationship with God. Amen. And you've got to understand how to keep yourself consecrated to him, but also to love your neighbor as yourself. You got me? And there's a fine line sometimes. You know, there's a tightrope sometimes we have to walk in order to please God and please people too. And so God would not have us dependent on anybody for anything. Amen. Remember, Abraham said, I will not let any man say he made me rich. Amen. He he served the possessor of heaven and earth. And God showed him that he could come directly to him for all of his needs. So Abraham refused to take even some spoils of war that, that were due him and his servants. And so he was very, very much uh, jealous as he could feel God was jealous over that relationship. And so as end time warriors, we have to have that connection with God that cannot be broken. Uh, you've got to put God first place and let nobody uh, put that asunder, even you. You know, and so we we have to be careful how we relate to people. We have to be careful um, how we uh, connect with people and and how we show leadership and how we show sovereignty over our own lives, the work that God's given us to do, all of the things that he has put under our authority. Uh, we have to be sovereign leaders and possessors over those things. You got me. Uh, for instance, your your family relationship relationships, you know, it's it's your nuclear family, then extended family. You have to be the sovereign possessor of control over that relationship under God. So you have to be willing to serve humanity, love humanity and keep God in first place, too. And sometimes you'll be tested on this. Because there will be people in that them ease into encroach upon a little bit of territory that always has belonged to God. The devil always wants to put a wedge between you and God. And he does it through people, you know, mostly. Something we'll go for. Amen. Or things. <laughs> Oopsie. No. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. But uh, we do have to be careful. And, and to guard and defend that relationship, not with people. Don't get up in somebody's face and say, I'm a child of God. You can't mess with me. You know, we all want to do that. But, but you know, you have to, like when it's time to say no, it's time for me to go home. Get up and go home. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, when it's time for you to do something that God's, you're committed to God to do, you go do that. And don't let anybody take that time away from you, you know, that kind of thing. So so we have to be wise about these things. So you're going to war over your relationship with God, first and foremost. That's, that's going to always have to come first. I don't care uh, if you you're, you have a husband, a wife, you have children. I don't care what, what God's blessed you with that you have responsibility for. Job, same thing. Uh, you'll have to be able to protect your relationship with God, you know, in 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 a sovereign way, so that you can can always have that in with God. You understand what I'm saying? You always have that in. And so there are certain things too, uh, habits that we develop that keep us close to God, or keep us in a state of peace, or keep us in a state of anti-anxiety you know, kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm the kind of person I I like to stay busy with something, either mental, physical, 
something like that. That's just the way I've trained myself to keep an inner peace. And I don't do it to upset people. But I've noticed the way the devil messes with me in that peace that I've established. Somebody, it never fails, somebody will come up to me and see me cooking or serving in the church and then get loud and want to tell me to go sit down. And I get angry enough inside to want to punch them. I do. And see, I have to watch myself around people and I tell them, I say, okay, we talked about this already. I don't explain myself to you over and over again. You know, just leave me alone. Now, why am I that way about that? Well, if you spent five years locked up in your apartment because you were afraid to go out, and God gave you things to do to keep your mind busy so you didn't think about killing yourself, you'd be possessive over the things that helped you. And see, people say, well, you're saved now. You should renew your mind. You go renew yours and leave me alone. See, my my fixing stuff and cooking stuff, make sure everybody's taking it. That ain't hurting nobody. You understand me? It'd be something different if I had to have expensive this and that, and I kept leaning on y'all for y'all money, then I'd be abusing somebody. Or I, I'm nervous. I got to go to Vegas. Uh, can y'all afford me some money over it? I don't do that. I just take care of me. You understand what I'm saying? And it ain't hurting nobody. But see, the devil knows that, and he'll always send somebody, and they think they mean well. Huh? But they have no grace to intrude on my spot, and I know they don't, because that's been guarded by God for many, many years now. You see what I'm saying? And and I'm not willing to let go of it and tear it down and try to rebuild again to make somebody else happy. You go get your own happiness because I got mine. You understand what I'm saying? And that's sometimes why we have to be sensitive and not always want to get in people's business. You know, Christians always think they can ask everybody, well, how'd you get saved? Tell me your testimony. You know, when God opens the door for that, and we all used to do it because we thought that was the thing to do, to interact with Christians. But now we've grown up and we know a little If they want to share testimony, God will open them up. You understand what I'm saying? We'll get to know them by the Spirit. But all we need to do is they have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them. We don't have to know their background and how they got here. You understand me? And so this is very important for us to understand as end-time warriors. What are the things that keep you together, spirit, soul, mind, and body, and and are you aware of what they are and do you protect those and keep those in a place where they continue to serve you? Or are you easily talked out of? You understand what I'm saying? The things that are holding you together in some way. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to fall apart if I don't get up and fix somebody something, you know. Uh, and I'm very, very uh, appreciative that people do things for me. So it works both ways. But all I'm saying is you don't know enough about a person to come in and want to intrude on what they do. You understand what I'm saying? Because you don't know why they're doing it. You know, that's all I'm saying. It's like I used to say, hey, man, I used to tell Pastor Shirley, I said, somebody going to make me get up and serve dessert. Because you get you sitting these preachers or gossip about everybody and you felt good about them till you sat down and tried to have a conversation. I said, I'm going to go serve some dessert. You know, <laughs> I go I go get a tray from anybody. Get me out of here. You understand what I'm saying? And so it, it serves a really good purpose. <laughs> Trust me, uh, some things. So so that's that. So I let you all know that I want to hear you all coming up to me talking about it. End of that conversation, okay? But but you need to understand that there are some things in people's lives <clears throat> that are essential for their peace and well-being. And and as an end-time warrior who has to carry the Spirit of God into hostile territory every day, amen, we've got to know what keeps us together. we got to know what makes us tick, what don't make us tick, 
And we have to protect those things that hold us together in a certain way so that we have peace, we have contentment, we have a desire to get up every day and we're motivated to keep going. You understand what I'm saying? And so in, in give each other freedom to be who they are without you encroaching on them with some kind of spiritual thing you you think you carry. You know what I'm saying? Uh, spiritual people know how to listen for the leading of the Lord. And if God's not leading you to do something or if you don't know if he's leading you, he ain't leading you. Okay? Tell you that right now. When he's leading you, you know it. Amen. <laughs> and nobody said up. Well, a few people did. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So so these are the principles of, of warfare and how to really be an end time warrior. How to be a self encourager. So so keeping busy sometimes is my way of encouraging myself. Man, it keeps me keeps me from being idle. If I'm idle, I'll get disgruntled or, you know, if I get up and move, I just get up and move. You know what I'm saying? I don't move as fast as I used to. And I don't move with as many credit cards as I used to. So I'm getting better. <laughs> I don't have to have a mall to go to every time I move. You know what I'm so I've, I've graduated to self-control. But uh <clears throat> So anyway, the writer says here to be a self-encourager. And the, and the example we have here is in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. says, David was greatly distressed. Why was he greatly distressed? Because there was bad news. There was devastating news. The kind of news that would greatly distress even the most composed person. Don't judge yourself. On your reaction to your circumstances. Now what do I mean when I say that? Don't judge yourself. Huh? If, if I move my thing again, put <laughs> it back. If I, um, Here's some some news I wasn't anticipating, and I get upset about it. I could could immediately cry out to God and ask for an answer, because that's a street you're going to have to go down anyway. I could do that right away. Or I could take the detour, and that is, you shouldn't be upset. Now, why you didn't? But you know I... There you go again. Yeah. Well, I got a reason to be upset. It's so bad. It's so bad. See, that's the long way around. You start judging that you're upset because it's disturbed your peace and you don't want to be upset. But instead of you taking the quick remedy, and that is go to God with it. Amen. We see that from our example with King David. He took the direct route out of his trouble. Some people, it takes them a week, a month, a day, an hour to get finished with the judgment phase. Huh? So if we can stay out of judgment, in the penalty box, we can recover more quickly. We can be more efficient in God. And we can get our answer more rapidly. Because there will come a time when you your survival will depend on your getting a rapid answer. And going into recovery mode. Instead of taking the side street to judgment and um, punishing yourself, telling yourself you should be more mature than this. You've been a Christian long enough not to make these mistakes. And See, the more judgmental you are on yourself, the more you will be on other people and vice versa. 
So if we're quick to judge others and to deem them, um, you know, immature, no good, crazy, whatever handle we put on. See, if we can bypass judgment, we can recover more quickly, can be more efficient for God. In David's case, his life depended on it because they were going to kill him if he didn't come up with an answer or come up with something. With some promise that they were going to recover everything, that their their wives and their children weren't killed somewhere, everything they worked hard for or stole hard for, I mean, that's work, that was work back in the day, uh, wasn't in vain. They blamed David because he was the leader. And this is what people do. That's why people leave churches and ministries because when they're disgruntled with their situation, instead of them showing maturity and leadership, they begin to go into judgment mentality. And eventually, they'll either judge themselves. And let me tell you what what happens when you judge yourself. If you don't know how to recover yourself, you're going to wind up claiming yourself to be a failure and get discouraged and eventually quit. If you blame the leadership, you'll quit. So judgment always leads to quit. That's why you need to avoid it. You don't need to judge, you know, yourself, especially if you're, you're, you have habits that have to be broken. No. You just need deliverance. We we don't break bad habits in God's kingdom because you can be totally delivered from them. You understand what I'm saying? It, it's not the same thing as like in the world you you deprive yourself of doing a certain thing for a certain length of time and then you can be free of it. What we do in the, the Bible, you know, in, in Christianity is your deliverance always comes through the word. Uh, you can go to the altar and get a demon cast out of you, or you can read the word and meditate on it and deliver yourself. Amen? Or it's sometimes a preaching. The anointing breaks the yoke as well. You can be delivered just through preaching and hearing a sermon. That's how we all got saved. We had the gospel preached to us and we heard. And so after you're a believer, then God will help you with what method you take to get yourself delivered. But you're going to have to adopt the habit of encouraging yourself and not judging yourself up on a regular basis. Uh, judgment is not allowed in this kingdom. Amen. Why? Because God is the only judge. Number one, he's taken judgment out of the hands, out of our hands, period. And he, unless we're judging ourselves, but when we judge ourselves, you should not come out condemning yourself. You're an uncondemned person. You judge yourself and you measure yourself against the word and you find out where your error is and you confess that and ask God to forgive you and you're free. That's how the process works. You don't get to condemn yourself as no good and oh, I'll never get free from this and I'm always going to be like this and I shouldn't be like this and I can't keep doing this. That's not going to get you free. That's only going to dig a bigger hole for you. See, you can't focus on two goals at one time. Amen. You can't focus on getting out from under the pressure, feeling bad because you did something wrong, and get from it too. You either got to drop the I'm a bad girl and take your freedom, or you got to be stuck with beating yourself up and never getting free. So I think I'd rather just repent and get free. Ah. And see, if it's something that's a stronghold in your life, the devil's not going to just let you get free and skip on away. He'll come back with something else and trip you. See, I told you you wouldn't over that. I told you you wouldn't deliver it. I told you you wouldn't. Uh-huh. 
get you to doubt what God's done for you. So that's a warfare that we have to fight. Period. I mean, just the rest of your life, there are going to be things that are, are kind of strong, that you feel strongly about sometimes. That you're going to have to make up your mind that you're going to stick with freedom and understanding how much God loves you. See, you get a daily infusion of the love of God and quit running around trying to do everything and be right and on your own. You know, just knock it off and learn how to be a child of God and live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, every word. And so once we understand how to encourage ourselves, how to set goals for ourselves with God, how to expect right things, and when they don't happen, how to keep encouraged that they will happen. Anyway, that's what the Christian life is all about. If you're going to live a life of possibilities in God, you've got to find a way to stay in faith and stay in encouragement on a continual basis. You can't take a day off of believing God. You can't afford to get in a bad mood and just sit there, you know, and wait for somebody to notice your ugly face. Oops, did I say that? You, you understand what I'm saying? And and want to pull you out. You know, you don't get a bailout here. Jesus has already given us all the tools to bail ourselves out. So the best thing to do is not get stuck down that road. Once you see yourself going down that road of judgment, either judging yourself or judging somebody else, you repent and say, God, I'm sorry, I, I'm to doing your job. I'm not allowed to judge me or anybody else. Amen? At least as far as condemning is concerned. And so when when you judge, though, you judge righteously. You look at your behavior and your thoughts and you know they don't measure up against the word. Then you confess it and say, God, please forgive me. I, I need to get my mind stayed on you again. Let me get out of the, the pit over here and acting acting crazy. So David, it says, was greatly distressed. And he had an excuse to stay there. The worst thing in the world could have, is really has happened to him. Amen. Life has been bad enough. He's been running from King Saul for, I think, more like 13, some, some estimates 13, some as many as 17 years. David started running when he was a youth, which means that he was, he was just old enough to get married, which, you know, was 16, 17 years old, that kind of thing. And so he started running from King Saul then. Right here, he's like 30 years old. He's about to be crowned king. He was anointed already, but he wasn't crowned. Amen. You need to know the difference. I don't have time to go into difference there, but you know, you can be called and God can anoint you, but if before you stand in an office, he has to continue training you. When you stand in that office, that's when you're crowned. Amen. And people like they get enough anointing to blow their nose hard and, and then they want to run off and tell everybody how to live. You see what I'm saying? And so God has to to develop that anointing in you. And that's what he's been doing with David for 13 years. Well, how's the anointing developed running from somebody who wants to kill you? Well, we see the end product here. What the way God develops you is between you and God. It has nothing to do with by the book and what is by the book and what ain't by the book. Amen. It's between how you and God decides to do things with you. And so he's smart enough to tailor make a program just for you. So for the men spoke of stoning him because the souls of them were bitterly grieved. So this is an all around bad situation for everybody. That doesn't make him feel any better because he's still got to get an answer. Each man for his sons and daughters, but David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So it says that he was greatly distressed. Amen. It says, 
they lifted up their voice in verse 4 and wept until they had no more power to weep. So that's what you're allowed. Because you're a warrior, you're not a mourner. Anything more than that, they hire you as a mourner, honey. They get your outfit, a black dress, a veil, and sit you on the front row at the funeral. Huh? I saw a recipe for funeral potatoes. Anybody seen that one yet? Oh, funeral potatoes. Right. Yep. They said, it's it's named this because I said, don't tell me, let me guess. That's the one they were serving at uh, the people that made casseroles were already at the centurion's daughter's uh, house. They met because she had died. Well, she was on her way dying. They had the casseroles ahead of time. Sometimes it's the casserole that kills you and not. Not the disease. You know, when you see them potatoes coming to your house, you go, "Uh uh-oh. Is that for me? (laughs) Turn your face to the wall. Uh, Do something. But uh, anyhow, so David, they God allows you to feel bad. But he doesn't allow you to process it into more than that. Amen. He doesn't allow you to take a long face everywhere you go for many days. Now, there was a custom uh, when Jewish people were mourning, when things were really bad, they would fast and pray. So the sackcloth and ashes was really divorcing you from any kind of worldly pleasures. You didn't have food. You weren't in a party mood. You you denied your flesh so that you can get closer to God and you get an answer. So the sackcloth and ashes was really a step toward getting your answer. David, because he was a leader, could skip over that step. See, if you can skip over something, skip over it, and let's move on to getting our answer. So really, David had developed now a relationship with God where he knew answers could come readily to him. He had a prophet that he could go to to get answers from God. And so, and that's still true. And you all know that's true. When you can't get your answer, it's real easy to go up to the altar and see if God has a word for you. To get you out of your jam. The gifts of the spirit are to profit everybody. Amen. So they will help you out in your time of need. I'd rather do that than to have to wait forever to see if God's going to send me an answer. And I don't even know how it's going to come. And so it's it's good to use all of the resources available to us so that God can give us our answers. And so it said that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, what would that consist of? And that would probably consist of worship. It would consist of praise. It would consist of reading the word. What do you do when you're discouraged? Huh? Don't get the speed dial out and call somebody. To jump in the hot tub with you, the the soup of discouragement, huh? You got the uh, 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 who they used to talk about the the um, oh shoot, I remember it used to used to be a tea party that you would have. Woe is Miss Woe is me, Miss Poor me. You know, you have yourself a little tea party, and you invite all your little friends over. And so you're not allowed to do that as a warrior. The devil will come by and see that and shoot you dead. Amen. Or he'll let you stay depressed with woe is me and poor me and get you stuck down that street and you can't get out by yourself. Amen. You meditate on God's word. That will recover you quicker than anything. You rehearse testimonies 
of what God's done for you. And see, this is a, a hard one because many times we don't even think that that's encouraging. You know, your own testimony will make you mad. Huh? Oh, well, you did that. And I don't want to hear about that. I want something now. Huh? So rehearse testimonies in your ears, even if you don't want to hear them or you think you don't want to hear them. Get around encouraging people. Don't call that soulish, familiar number that you like to call. And if you see somebody's number in your phone, don't answer it right away. I am warning you. Let it go to voicemail. If it's something somebody God told you to call, he'll let you know. Once it goes to voicemail, et cetera, et cetera, and you call him back. Amen. But get yourself in a place where you want to hear God's voice. Amen. Reach out to others in need. Interesting. Well, I ain't got nothing to give nobody. I need something myself. Well, this is how you get it. Huh? As you sow, you reap. You can sing songs, sing songs to God. Some people have composed some of the best worship songs and hymns and stuff like that out of their difficulties. Uh You prophesy to yourself. Tell yourself who you are in Christ. I am not a loser. God, you have given me victory over everything in Christ Jesus. And I am more than a conqueror, Father. I thank you that you have made me more than a conqueror. And I receive my victory right now. I am victorious in Christ. This will not take me down. I'm not going under. I'm going over. Amen. And I will come away with more than what the devil stole from me. Amen. And so David did these things, encouraging himself in the Lord. Not in himself, in the Lord. So he's going to depend on God 100% now for everything that he needs. God has set him up for nothing but victory. And I think that's why they were so distressed when they got back and found that their stuff was gone. Uh, because <clears throat> David had had an incident with at Nabal's property. Remember Nabal, Abigail's husband? And Abigail had prophesied to him that there would come a time when he would look at this incident as a small thing because God would make him king. You will sit on the throne. You you know, David, you're not a loser. God didn't bring you all this way. And if you just hold on a little bit longer, the implication was that you'll get victory. You'll, You'll be king. So David goes. Back to his house and what happens? The devil stepped in and tried to discourage him totally. And so David does the wise thing. Instead of getting angry, he was the kind of guy as a warrior, he would just, you know, go kill somebody. If they did him wrong, he did him wrong back and got their stuff and moved on. It was nothing to him. But what God is developing him in him now is godly character. He's going to have to be a judge and a king over God's people. And so he is learning how not to be so quick to pull the sword and how to look to God's leadership in everything. And so here David is, and he's encouraged himself in the Lord. So the writer says here, there are principles we must learn in governing warfare. What does that mean? Governing warfare just means that you have responsibility and oversight over certain things that God has in your life. Your family, as we talked about, your household, your finances, your relationships, the city you live in, your fellowship, your church, your ministry, whatever it is God has in your life, you have governing ability there. You govern over the ministry that you're given if it's in your church. You're governing over yourself to discipline yourself to be there on time, to be there regular, 
regularly, those kinds of things. So you're going to have to wage war in order to get mastery over those things. Or the enemy will just take you down. If you don't think you're up against an enemy just to get up every day and keep going, think again. Amen? Because he wants to keep us under. He wants to keep us um, uh, defeated and thinking that we could fall down to defeat. And so if, if in, and that's the warfare you have to wage. It mostly it just goes on in your own soul, in your own mind. And if you stay too long at some kind of soulish place in your thinking, you'll pay a price for it. You, you can't afford to sit up and think, well, uh, you know, I'm sick or I'm this or I'm that or I'm not feeling good or I can't go to church because I'm feeling this or feeling that. You've got to wage war against those forces that are keeping you from producing, being where God wants you to be. Uh, I don't care if you enjoy it or not. It's up to you if you enjoy stuff. You understand what I'm saying? You don't do stuff because you like it and because you don't like it. know if that's news to somebody but hey soldiers you know they don't get entangled with the affairs of this world which includes your likes and your dislikes huh people get all caught up about you know stuff I hear you I've been I've been putting away for this and that oh really (laughs) It's wonderful. <laughs> you get up to the point where you got your money and think you're going to spend it on something and God tell you, uh, go over here. Ouch! Huh? <laughs> this is why God put us here. Amen. To exercise leadership, to exercise dominion, to be responsible for what he's entrusted to us to use his authority. And you've got to master it in yourself. The Bible says that we can only revenge disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Amen. You got to, oh, you can't cast a, a lust devil out of your neighbor when you got one yourself. Huh? You be in God, call yourself going over. Well, God told me to pray for you. Y'all wind up kissing and, and all kind of stuff you Leave people's devils alone. Huh? <laughs> if they want to be do deliverance on somebody. <laughs> I mean, seriously. If you're a woman, don't be so quick to pray for a man. And if you're a man, don't be so quick to pray for a woman. Amen. Next thing you know, you'd be packing up, being left everything. Listen, I heard it all. I had people come up to, God put it on my heart to pray for these young men. Yeah, I used to feel like that too, but I didn't blame it on God. <laughs> I knew where it came from. Return to Cinder. Ha! That's what you're supposed to do with that idea. You don't, you don't sit up and. <laughs> okay. You know, we have to really use a lot of wisdom, folks, because the enemy is looking to pull you away. Any way he can. And I mean all the time. You never outgrow your need for God to help you and to cover you and protect you, to keep you in a place where you're okay with him. Amen. So the writer here says they've heard people use that term watchman on the wall. They're just quoting scripture at you because they don't really know what that means. There is no wall. Amen. There's a watch that we stand on. Amen. 
So you stand upon your watch. Well, what does that mean? Well, you got to find that out. That's for you to find out. God, what is my watch? Huh? I think we all should ask that. And expect to get an answer from God where he explains to you what you're responsible for. Amen. And and I'll give you a hint. It's probably in them prayers that we pray every time we get together. Uh, I've Over the years, I've heard tons of people say, God called me as a watchman. And I said, well, what are you doing? What Where's your where's your territory? What are you guarding over? And they just look at you. I said, oh, OK. So I really stopped talking to people. God released end time watchmen. I'd say re-released uh, over the last 30 years. He has released watchmen and warriors. And those who have truly been called have been faithful with their call during this time. Now my feeling is God has the ones who are definitely called and then he has enlistees. Amen. I believe you can be enlisted and drafted into God's army. <clears throat> Amen. And you can do the work of a watchman. The Bible says God told us all to watch as well as pray. Amen. That we not enter into temptation. So there's a watch over your own soul. And then when you're faithful there, he will give you responsibility over other things. Amen. And and in this ministry, we do them all at one time. You know, because, you know, we just allow people to participate in the prayer. Um, and, and this is not a prayer club where you, you feel like you belong because we ask you to pray with a prayer partner. You got me? It's not a club. It's a calling. When, when God feels that you're, what we generally do is when people ask us about a prayer partner, then we will assign somebody if God says it's okay. See, it's enough to pray when we get together. And praying when you get home in your free time, that gets to be a toughie for most people. You know, there's a challenge there because you don't want to put down what you're doing. No, but I don't want to. I'll find myself lollygagging around. I've been talking to the prayer partner about a half hour before we even pray. Amen. It's the truth. It's just that's just the way it is. And so many and there's sometimes things you need to discuss so that you can come into agreement about them. But, you know, once you give yourself over to the spirit of prayer, there's no turning back until you get it done. You know, and so you just want to linger around outside all you want to. I'll pray in a minute. Don't push me. I ain't ready yet. What that, what that scripture you got there? Let me look it up first. I'm gonna look it up in the message translation. Give me. After 15 translations, then you're ready to pray. I'm ready to pray now. Give me them prayers. Alright. Deuteronomy 20, 4, 2 through 4. So shall it be when you are on the verge of battle. That the priest shall approach and speak to the people and she shall say to them, hear, O Israel, today you're on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint, nor be afraid. Do not tremble, nor be terrified because of them. I don't care how big the devil is, God is bigger. I don't care how long it's had you terrified. God is bigger. Amen. For the Lord your God, he, it is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies. So God is fighting for you, but you got to obey him and march into battle. You have to utter the words that he gives you to utter and stand and see his salvation and not quit. Amen. God's not a quitter and you're not either. Amen. And you have to make up your mind. You stay in the fight and and get your victory because God is not in anything with you that he can't and won't win on your behalf. Amen. So understand that that's what God wants for us. <clears throat> We have to believe that God is going to fight for us. 
Whenever you go out to do a work for God, just keep, just step out and believe God is with you. And he'll give you a hint because many times you'll sense the anointing and presence of God and the leading of God. Amen. Most of us know it. Amen. But but if you're not as familiar with it, you know, you can ask God, should I do this? Should should I be involved in this? And if so, what is my role? And and get in there and do what God tells you to do, you know. It's, it's interesting to me. People will be in this ministry 10, 15, 20 years, and then all of a sudden God never called them here. Well, what have you been doing here? Just hanging around? Huh? I remember when you used to pray and like praying, and you used to give testimony, you got answers to prayer. Huh? No, something's you're disappointed about something. You let the devil get back in your head again. Huh? And start telling you nonsense. Now you're disgruntled about something. Huh? You're upset about it. You didn't get something God told you you was going to get. Dang, never I should have it by now. Huh? Mangy varmint. Oh? How you mad at everybody? And it's not that we haven't been warned that the enemy does these things. But see, many times people have been riding the edge for so long. Then one day they fall off the cliff and don't realize how far they were over to begin with. God just testing you to see if you really love him or not. See if you're going to obey him or not. God will tell you what to speak when you need to speak it. The other thing the end time warrior must have is timing. To be in the right place at the right time. Always be where God has assigned you to be. He may just assign you one place. But get there consistently. Once he sees he can trust you, he'll give you more. But just because you're not swinging from the chandelier every day and got a million things, you know, like the Mad Hatter, huh? Everybody want to be busy all the time, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you ain't going to, go home and sit down and read your word. Sometimes that's all God wants us to do. Come on now. Be in the right place at the right. That is so important. You know, I, I, of course, too much ID network. I'm weaning myself off. <laughs> Gotta have my fix. <laughs> I was sitting there with Rachel one time. I said, let's watch us a good murder. She said, okay. <laughs> Bad, right? But uh, it's just so common, though. Police will say, well, this person was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? It was something there that led them to their demise. Because our God helps us to choose life. Many times we could be dead or could be hurt or injured, but God spared us because he led us away from trouble. See, but many times people get with the wrong company. See, they violated a lot of these principles here. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, in, in being in the place where God wants you to be. Or they'll be somewhere and somebody said, well, we can't trace that they knew this assailant. It was just a, a crime of convenience. This person was here. And somebody stalked them for a little bit and got an advantage over them and was able to take them down, rob them, murder them, whatever happened to them. And so there is a lot of calamity that the enemy has planned for people. But if you stay in a place where God put you, you won't fall prey to that. Amen. You won't fall victim to anything that the enemy wants to do in your life. 
always be where God has assigned you to be. He's assigned everybody to be somewhere at all times. Sometimes you'll get restless. Well, I've been at home too long. Stay there. Huh? It's it's like too long and then some. Amen. We don't want to fail, miss, or give up hope. We go in the power of Christ. As warriors, we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Knowing that we are not alone, we never go alone. Psalm 23 in the message. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I am back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Amen. So we're going to stop there. We're going to pass out our exams so that we can. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Shay, come here, baby. Pass these out for me on this side. Pass them out right over here amongst your side. Amen. Ms. Nola, can you get these? <laughs> your little partner. Oh, good. 